0: Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers,
1: hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.
0: Welcome to the UNH Wildcast, the official podcast of the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. And now, here is your host, Mike Murphy. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the UNH Wildcast, powered by Unitil. My name is Mike Murphy, and I am your friend. Well, it's over. It is over. Close the book on the 2021 academic year here at the University of New Hampshire. The class of 2022 has graduated. They moved on. Best of luck. Don't forget us. Underclassmen have completed finals. So summer is here. For the rest of the world, I suppose Memorial Day represents the unofficial start of summer, but it's also, importantly, a time for solemn reflection for those American servicemen and women who perished for our freedom. But at UNH, summer starts with commencement, so the campus goes pretty quiet, parking becomes abundant, that's a good thing, and our thinking goes towards next season. Today's UNH Wildcast, powered by Unitil, we look ahead. By going back in time, Harrion holds court. Yes, Harrion holds court, a regular feature of the Wildcat men's basketball program starring head coach Bill Harrion. Back in the good old days, pre-pandemic, it would not be uncommon for Coach Harrion to allow those closest to the program into the meeting room on a game night, less than an hour to tip. And as the pun would say, he'd hold court. Not only would Bill break down that night's opponent with the kind of behind-the-scenes access that sport junkies could only dream of, but he was an open book, fully transparent, answering questions about everything from playing time, scheduling, recruiting. Those were great days. Now, once the pandemic started, Harry and Hold's court in person became virtually impossible. But doing Harry and Hold's court virtually became very possible, commonplace in fact. So Herrian holds court. Now it takes place over Zoom. And then if you're not there live, which is okay, we record it. It's on the UNH Athletics YouTube page. You can go back and watch any of them. UNHWildcats.com also has the archive so fans can watch in their leisure time and see Bill Herrian in his natural environment, his bedroom with the ceiling fan. It is, in fact, even a much better audio experience than video, if you ask me. And so, since we're getting close to Memorial Day weekend, a chance for all of us to hopefully get away from the office, decompress, in the world of podcasting, this episode of the Wildcast is repurposed audio. Lazy! Yes, lazy, but also a very timely episode. As the trans portal is ravaging rosters nationwide, UNH not immune. When summer school starts in late June, name tags might be required. As our team has three returning players and at least nine newcomers. And we're going to learn about the team, especially those newer players coming in. As always, Bill Herrian, even here on a podcast. Great, forthcoming, honest, thoughtful, and informative. So on today's UNH Wildcast, powered by Unitil, I ask that you all rise unless you're driving. Hear ye, hear ye. Court is now in session. The Honorable Bill Herrien is now presiding as it's time for Herrien Holds Court. But Coach Herrien is hard at work as always. Coach, great to be with you here again talking UNH basketball.
1: Yeah, Murph, it's great to see you and I'm looking forward to kind of updating, you know, our fans and our followers of what's happening with our program. It's been it's been a very busy (laughs) understatement. It's been a very, very busy spring for us.
0: Well, we're going to get right into it because it's busy, but unlike any other spring, dare I say, you've ever experienced before. And I know the last couple of springs have been strange in their own way, but this is the new world, the new world that you forecast. And when it came to college basketball, yeah, for portals and bringing in new players seemingly by the day. <clears throat> yeah. Murph, I, you know, the whole landscape of college basketball is, is really changing,
1: you know, right in front of our eyes. And I, I think it's been like you said, uh, let alone with the COVID uh, going through that the last two years, just so many things have changed. And, um, you know, this transfer portal is really, you know, has really become, you know, big and, uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I'm a big fan of it. Um, But you know what, I think right now it is where college basketball is at and you better get involved with it. If not, you're going to kind of get left behind. Uh, Right before we came on, Murph, I checked, you know, verbal commits, the transfer portal right before I came on is at 1,690 college players, almost 1,700 players are in the transfer portal this year. The sad thing is, I'll bet you not even a thousand of those players have scholarships right now to another school.
0: You said very politically correct. You may not be a big fan of it. That's about the biggest understatement I'll hear. But you're not on an island when you say that, Coach, right? You have support from others who, who see the weaknesses of this. I'm sure there are strengths we'll get to, but it is a very dangerous thing, as you point well, out. The numbers don't yeah. add up.
1: Well, I, I think there's kind of three factors that, that really play into this. I think number one is when the NCAA changed the rule about three, four years ago to when when a transfer transfers, you know, first-time transfer, they're eligible immediately. You remember before it used to be if you transferred you had to sit out a year. I know back when I was, you know, a long time ago, I transferred schools, I had to sit out for a year. Sometimes sitting out is not bad, but I think what's happened is with the with the uh, immediate eligibility and not having to sit out. I think kids knowing they can go right away up and leave if they're not happy. I think it's kind of a green light a little bit. Um, I think the COVID. With everybody getting the fifth year back, I think has put a whole nother spin on this. Um, especially with, I think, if you had like us, if you have four year players that have come through your program and have given you real four really good years, you know. And and I think everybody out there has got to understand. Obviously, we had a couple of four year seniors come through our program that are graduating. You know, with the extra year, if COVID had never happened these guys, their college basketball careers would be over. But with the extra fifth year for COVID, they have every right to to go into the portal and try to, you know, pursue other options. Um, That's their decision. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, we've only taken, in the last two years, we've only taken four players out of the portal to the first year, to this past year. We haven't really dipped into the portal that much. So this is kind of a new—it's new territory for our our staff and for our basketball program. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, we got hit awful hard with the portal this year. Um, but I think you know, I, I, I give my staff a lot of credit. I mean, it's uh, you know, right when the season got over and we lost to Binghamton uh, in the first round quarterfinal game. That week, we were having individual meetings, and that's when some players had expressed interest in going into the transfer portal. So we got right to work on this, Murph. It's been been a grind here for about the last two months.
0: Because for a while, you have to sit there and be very quiet. You're losing players, and your roster is being depleted. All along, though, you and your staff are working to replenish. It's been a very busy time. We have nine new guys. I don't know where you want to start, Coach. Well, well, yeah, I think what happens
1: is, you know, when it, the reality is, and and we're not alone with this, Murph. I just, you know, when you have 1,700 players in the portal and there's 350, 355 Division One schools in the country, that's averaging out to about five players per, per program. Um, I don't know, you know, you, I don't really count the seniors that, our, our primary job when we bring any player into this basketball program here at UNH is number one, yeah, we want good players, we want to get them better, we wanna win games. But at the end of the day, our the most important job that we have as coaches is we got to make sure they graduate in four years. So we have three or four players that are graduating this year, they're getting their degrees, and they have every right to move on. So I think, you know, what we had to do is we had a, you know, it's we had to get it, you know, coaching, coaching colleagues of mine said, listen, the portal can hurt you, but the portal can also help you because it, now it gives you a chance to go out and, and get, you know, maybe you need different kind of players positionally. Maybe you need just some new blood in your program. And, you know, trust me, we've got a lot of new blood this year, but I, I think everybody, all of us got to understand that the, the, the four or five things. That we looked, I don't want anybody thinking we just went into this portal blind and we were just grabbing players. I'll be honest with you, I think with the COVID the last two years, this this spring was the first time that we had live on campus visits with any recruits in the last two years. Like when we went to, we took two from the portal two years ago to this past year, these players never visited our campus. We never had a chance to meet them. Uh, we never had a chance to really, you know, to work them out when they came on a visit, you know. So I think the first thing that we were looking for, Murph, is any player that we were pursuing is is someone that had to fit our culture and and in our in our basketball program and fit just being a UNH student athlete. Um, all nine players that we brought in have made official visits to our campus. All nine players were under NCAA rules. We worked them out. Uh, you know, individually in the gym. And so and, and I think spending at least, you know, close to 48 hours with these kids on a visit. Now, the one thing you have with this portal is, you know, you, you got what's what, what starting, what's really starting to happen is, is, you know, y- you can't be really young anymore, if you hear what I'm saying, because nobody's young. Okay. Everybody now through the portal is bringing in college ready, college experience players you know that are ready to play right away and that's and i'll tell you the, the the kids that are really really getting hurt and really getting affected by what's going on now in college basketball are the high school kids i mean there, there are so many high school players so many really good high school players out there that are not even getting recruited because no one it, you got a decision to make now what we did with our not with this year's class because we lost so many. We said, listen, we got to have some balance with our classes. We can't keep just bringing like one year, two year, three year guys in every year. You're going to be turning this over like you're coaching a junior college, so to say. So we did bring three true freshmen in out of the nine and the other players are Portal. So we needed players that fit our culture. I think, number one, the type of person we bring in, their character, their work ethic, their competitiveness. Do they fit? The way we play, the way we want to play, then obviously you got to recruit position wise. You know, we lost players in a lot of different spots. You know what I'm saying? So, position was really important. And then the last thing is obviously talent and can they play and can they help us win and help us get to a championship? You know, I, I don't want to lose sight of, you know, the last three years we're, we're 40 and 37, you know, um, in our program here. Um, you know, we were the three seed in the America East Conference Tournament the last two years. And I know we went out in the first round both years. But, you know, I, I, we have this program in a good spot. And, I, and we're really, really excited about the new players um, that we're bringing in with this class.
0: A pair of forwards coming in. Jackson Baker transferring from Central Arkansas. Trey Woodyard transferring from Valparaiso and then guard Kyrie Brown, who's transferring in from Seattle University. These are the most recent ones, Coach. What can you tell us about these three players?
1: Yeah, we obviously had to replace the point guard position, and, and you know, Blondo gave us, you know, three terrific years, um, you know, and, and I think we had to get somebody with some college experience under his belt. You know, I think what, you know, every every day for like the, the first month and a half after the season ended, our staff meetings were just all day just putting kids up on our, our our screen and just watching watching video, watching tape of you know whoever we were interested in. You know, Kyrie Brown really caught our eye. He's from Oakland, California. Um, he went two years to the City College of San Francisco, a very high level junior college basketball program out in the Bay Area, and then along with a couple of his teammates, he went to Seattle University up in Washington this past year. They were really good. They're in the WAC conference. They were 23 and nine this year. He played about 22 minutes a game, was a, was you know, played about 600 minutes for them this year. Uh, we really liked him on tape. We brought him in last week for a campus visit with his mom and we worked him out. We really liked him. I think he's gonna be a great fit for us. Tough, quick, hard playing kid. Um, Jackson, we needed, we needed a perimeter four man, which we've always had. We've always had a stretch four man that can space the floor, that can shoot threes, uh, can get the defense away from the basket. You know, Jackson Baker uh, was at Central Arkansas for four years in the Atlantic Sun Conference. He's from Phoenix, Arizona. Went to a very good high school basketball program in Phoenix. Brophy High School has turned out a lot, a lot of high major players, pros through the years. Um, went in with the coach and his freshman year, he wa- I want to say he made about 45, 47 threes his freshman year. I want to say he made in the thirties his second year. Had a coaching change. His minutes went down a little bit the last two years, but he's a very skilled six seven, six eight uh, kind of stretch four man. He'll really help us. And Trey Woodyard um, is a kid that uh, who's from Ohio, uh, very good, very good program in Ohio high school program. Uh, he was actually coached in prep school by one of our former managers um, here at UNH a few years back, Dave Brisky. And uh, Trey spent his freshman year at Valparaiso. Uh, he's like a six, I think he's a six six kind of two, three, like a six six wing. Very, very skilled, uh, good athlete, can really shoot the basketball. And he's got some length at six six. So uh, we're really happy to have these guys on board.
0: Was it going back to you said a few times, these guys come from successful programs, winning programs. For older players, how important an element is that to you recruiting these guys, knowing they're coming from a culture that you have here, winning and yeah. you want to keep winning?
1: Yeah, you know, our 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 goals don't change. I mean, our whether, you know, whoever's back, whoever's not back, you know, we're gonna build this program and we're gonna try to get the players that we feel are gonna put our, our basketball team and our program in the best position to try to win the America East Championship and get to the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I think it's, it's really, imp- I think anytime you can get kids that have come from programs that have won and ha- kind of have that winning blood in their system, I think that's really, really important.
0: Going back to late April, I think April 21st is when the first five newcomers were announced, so I want to turn to that group. And you had a grad student from Goldie Beacon College and Nazim Derry, guard, 62160, and then a junior who transferred from Lake Region State College, 6'6", 225-pound forward. Clarence Daniels II, what can you tell us about Nazim and Clarence? Yeah, Nazim
1: is from Atlantic City, New Jersey. He he went, you know, what you've seen, I think, this past year in particular, like the first couple of years of the portal, it was really interesting, Murph. Like, you know, we all know up here in New England how good Division II basketball is up here in New England. You know, the Northeast 10 Conference, really good teams, Really good programs, really, really talented players. We've closed scrimmaged, you know, Bentley. I'm sorry, uh, Saint A's, um, Assumption, uh, Stonehill through the years, and we'd always leave those scrimmages saying, you know what? There's a couple of guys that play for that that could easily play for us here at UNH. So Nazim went to Goldie Beacom, which is Division Two school down in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, this past year as a senior, made 100 threes. I mean, 100 threes is 100 threes. And one of our former assistants, Mark Kuntz, who's at uh, Post, Post University down in, um, down in the Water, Waterbury area, down in Connecticut, is in the same league with Nazim. And, you know, you know, Mark thought that, you know, he could definitely, definitely play for us. He knows how we play. He knows the kind of players that we look for. You know, Clarence Daniels was one of the first players that we kind of jumped on when, this, when the season ended and we started getting into the portal. He's about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, but he went to Lake Region Junior College, uh, Lake Region State out in North Dakota. Um, he's a lefty, uh, a quick forward. Um, yeah, I just think, I, I, I think we're going to be, we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to be a totally different team than this past year, obviously. I, I think what we're going to be like, though, in the front court is I think we're going to be more athletic collectively in the front court and I say and I'm not saying we're going to this point yet but like when you watch St. Peter's when you watch St. Peter's make their run in the NCAA tournament this year and you watch their front court players how 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 much impact they had you know in the tournament and these guys were six 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 seven but really really quick to the ball really hard playing guys really quick on the glass I think that's how Clarence is and actually, Clarence is playing this Saturday in the in the National Junior College All-Star Game. You know, Lake Region State, where he came from, is a Division II junior college. He's the only Division II junior college player that was picked to play in the Division I game this Saturday in Las Vegas. So you know, we're hoping that he'll go out there and represent us well.
0: Is there something to be said for the players who had to fight from junior college to get to the Division One level, maybe having some of those chip on their shoulder type of guys? Yeah, yeah, but I, I,
1: I do think it's a little bit different the last couple of years. I, I think, you know, junior college a lot, you know, we're not exposed to it as much here in the Northeast, like the really, really good junior colleges nationally are Florida, Texas, the Midwest, state of California is a big time junior college um, uh, state, if you hear what I'm saying. I think out in those areas, Murph, a lot of these kids either don't get recruited and go under the radar. So here in the Northeast, most kids, if they're not recruited, typically do what? They go to a prep school because there's so many quality prep schools up here in the Northeast, in the in the New England area. I think a lot of kids out that way, they, there's not as many division twos as I think they go junior college. And I think, you know, years back, a lot of times youngsters would make would have to go to junior college just to maybe meet some academic criteria to get eligible to be able to transfer to division one. I think a lot of kids have gone junior college the last year because of the COVID and just not being it, not getting recruited. Um, so
0: yeah, I think it's um I think these kids are going to really contribute right away. They're going to help us. And before we get to the freshmen, there's one more transfer student, a four-year player at Marist college, and that's Matt Harazmi, a six, 180 pound guard from the red Foxes. What can you tell us about Matt?
1: Yeah, you know, when Matt Harazmi went into the portal, he he really caught my eye right away. If you remember, we played Marist in a home and home series. When Matt was a freshman, they came here to UNH, if you remember, and they beat us here at UNH. Then we went back to Marist the following year when he was a sophomore and we beat them at Marist. And as an opposing coach, I really, really liked the way this kid played. We did not recruit him out of high school. He went to a uh, very good high school in New Jersey, Don Bosco High School. Ron Harper Jr., the kid at Rutgers, um, their, their high school team was loaded, and um, Matt really caught my eye just because of the kind of player he was. Hard-playing kid, great size, about six four, kind of wing, six five, lefty, lockdown defensive player. Uh, was team captain at Maris his junior and senior year. I know the coach at Maris, John Dunn, well when we started recruiting Matt and pursuing him, I had a long conversation with John Dunn. Just and this kid is a quality, quality kid. I I what we did not want to do with the portal is just take a number of one-year guys. I I I think that's that can be a little bit dangerous because. I think with players that have one year, they might just have their own agenda if you hear what I'm saying. Um, And if it doesn't go the right way, then I think you can have some issues. What I love about Matt is I think losing as many players as we have and losing older experienced veteran players. I think we had to look for some guys that had some leadership at the schools they're coming from and being a two-year captain at Marist, um, He made 55 threes his sophomore year. I think you put him and Nick Johnson uh, defensively and toughness wise and physicality on both sides of the floor. Um, We're not, we're going to be fine defensively. I can let all of you know that we will be a much better defensive team one through five next year. But obviously I think the biggest concern that, that I have and our staff has, this is probably going to be the biggest summer school session that we've ever had here at UNH, because this is new territory for us. It's not like we have, you know, eight, nine, 10 returning players that just know the deal. I think the biggest challenge that we're gonna have as a coaching staff starting in June when summer school gets here is is, the, is building the chemistry of this basketball team like right away. It's gonna be crucial. We Zoomed with with all the new kids last night. It was great. We had a good Zoom last night. I'm in the process. I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to reach out to some college coaches like like Eric Musselman at Arkansas, John Calipari at Kentucky, coaches at higher levels that have kind of done this through a lot of transfers, if you hear what I'm saying. I think that I'm not I'm not concerned about, you know, I think we have good players, but you know, the whole key now is getting these players together and getting them, you know, from a chemistry standpoint, you know, understanding our goals.
0: Let's get the other three newcomers and then i want to follow up on some of these summer school things and strategies when it comes to going through the portal but there are three incoming freshmen traditional freshmen christian moore a 6'1 175 pound guard from virginia beach virginia promise oporum a 6'7 215 pound forward from new rochelle new york and rex sunderland a 6'3 165 pound guard from kaysville utah the younger guys coach you said most teams are old but you also pointed out a few times you have to make sure you keep replenishing and have guys who have the potential to be here many years
1: well you know what i i i I don't want to say this because i don't want to send the wrong message out there but you know the way this thing this whole thing is kind of structured right now it's very very hard i think for to build this with like you know the way we've always built it here is okay you had good upperclassmen then you brought in some good freshmen and you know, we were lucky. Like, I, I look back on, like, if you know, imagine if Tanner Leisner and Jalen Smith were in college now. I mean, we Tanner Leisner would have every high major program, power five program in the state of Texas, obviously recruiting him. Jalen Smith as well. Just look like this past year in the America East, okay? The all rookie team think about this the all rookie team in our conference this past year. The leading scorer on the all-rookie team averaged 6.4 a game. And he only played 16 minutes a game. The kid from Albany, the kid Neely. You had two guys out of the five on the all-rookie team this year that averaged 2.6 a game and 2.8 a game. My point is, people aren't playing freshmen. We felt that we had to balance the classes and we had to bring in some freshmen to just have some continuity. Uh, you know, in in the program, you know, you know, this year, there wasn't one freshman in the America East conference this year that made any of the three all conference teams. That's 15 players. Um, So everybody's getting old. You know, we think promise of Purim. I, I I really, I'm really excited about this kid. He's from New Rochelle high school in New York. Um, He went to Woodstock Academy down in Connecticut, which is a high level prep school up here in new England. This kid is, uh, when I say, when I talk about the front court players at St. Peter's, when you watch them in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament, this kid's an athlete. He's a hard, hard playing um, kid, uh, all over the offensive glass. Uh, I think I, we're really excited about him. Christian Moore um, is from Virginia Beach, won a state championship in high school uh, down in Virginia Beach, and then he went to Hargrave Military Academy in Virginia which is one of the top you know, basketball prep schools in the country. Uh, he can really, really shoot the ball. He had an older brother that ended up going to the Citadel uh, down in South Carolina for like four years. And so I want to say scored about 1,600 points, made like 300, 353s in his career. So when he committed to us, he actually kind of committed to us on the bit. He said, well, you better you better bring to us what your brother brought to the Citadel. That you will be, be good. We could use it. And then Rex Sunderland, You know, the credit goes to Jordan Bronner and Ryan. Um, They were on the road this past summer out at the AAU tournaments. I want to say they were down at one of these Under Armour uh, AAU events down in Alabama. And Utah had a great, great AAU basketball team. And Rex was on this AAU team. Uh, They had about three or four guys on this team go like high major, like Brigham Young, you know, Utah. I mean, uh, you know, high level schools. And, and when we needed like another kind of point guard combo guard, these guys went back and said, listen, we really liked this kid when we saw him in the summer. What I like about Rex Sundle and he's long, he's six, three, six, four. He's kind of a combo guard. He's really skilled. Uh, he's he's a, he's a talented kid. So we're really happy with all three of these young guys.
0: So we're about 25, 30 minutes in. I want to let people know, and a lot of you have been on these before, but there is a chat function. So if you have any questions you want to enter into the chat, we'll circulate those to Coach uh, Andrew. knows how to do that. He already has one that I knew you wanted to address, Bill. And it was, "What is the plan for the last scholarship?"
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, Andrew. We do. We got one. We've got one scholarship left, and you know, I, I think we've done a good job of restructuring this roster. I really think you're going to like these guys. We're we're really excited. Um, you know, to get working with them in June and in summer school. I think with the last scholarship right now, what we, we need another front court body, uh, you know, really kind of, I guess, you know, I know a lot of people aren't playing with so-called five men anymore, not even in the NBA, everything is spaced the floor, stretch it out, you know, you know, stretch the defense out. Uh, we're in on a couple of front court players right now. We have one young man uh, from a league a little bit above us, uh, coming in for an official visit next week. So we're hoping that will work. Um, and if we can get him, then we'll be done with uh, with our class.
0: So we've been focusing on all the new shiny toys that you have, but I want to give you a chance to commend the young men who are returning. You, you mentioned Nick Johnson before, but Nick, John Williman, AJ Lopez, you, these are your veteran guys. you will probably lean on yeah. them more than you probably expected to because of the well, with the roster. Yeah, you
1: know, Nick Johnson, um, you know, I'll tell you, he's what the program's all about and what the program stands for. I'll tell you all a quick story about Nick Johnson when we recruited him. And this is what sold me on Nick Johnson. Before COVID hit up, the summer going into Nick Johnson's senior high school at All Hollows down in the Bronx, New York, we had an elite camp. Remember all the colleges were running elite camps where they would invite high school players for like a one-day come evaluate we had about 75 or 80 you know high school players in our gym on a Saturday I want to say in June a few or July a few years back the camp started at 10 in the morning and I'm standing at half court in Lundholm and my cell phone rang and it was a New York number and I picked the phone up and answered it and it was Nick Johnson said coach we got a this is at quarter of 10 the camp starting at 10 o'clock Goes, coach we got a problem my mother and I were they must have left the Bronx. They had to leave the Bronx at like 5 a.m. to get to the camp. Number one, that says a lot right there. They were coming off at 290. We've all made that ride and getting on to the beginning of 495 and their car broke down. So he said, Nick, I said, Nick, listen, just get your car towed, get it to a a, a, a a shop, get it fixed. And you're probably better off by that time just turning around and driving back to New York instead of coming another like hour and a half. You know. no 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 coach. No no. We're going to be there. My mother just called an Uber and you know we'll, we'll be there. I said an Uber. You're going to I mean they Ubered I for an hour and 20 minutes to an hour and a half cuz the kid wanted to get to the camp because he knew we were recruiting him and he wanted to get there and um and just and after that I said to my staff like when he left that night I said, "You know what? We're taking him. Because I think he just is, you know, he just really wanted, just really wanted to come and play, you know. And you know, John uh, AJ Lopez. I think AJ Lopez is a young man that a lot of you don't know about yet because we redshirted him this year. Six five, real good length. He's from Queens, New York. Went to St. Francis Prep in Brooklyn. Then he uh, spent his last year um, at Mount Zion, I think, down in Maryland. Uh, very talented offensive player. I think he's a real. He's a real kind of X factor for us. We really liked him in practice. Uh, he's got a chance to be a good player. And John Wilman, you know, when you talk about walk-ons and I've always had a soft spot for walk-ons since my first year as a head coach, when I started at Drexel, when I took a walk-on that was with the previous coach and long story short, this kid ended up being one of my best guards because we gave him an opportunity Uh, John Wilman has been a terrific and I don't even like to use the word walk on. He's been a terrific member of our basketball team. And what we did is when the kids started getting into the portal, John's going to be a junior. He's a good player. Uh, We gave John a scholarship. So he's going to be on scholarship uh, his junior and senior year here at UNH. But you know what? It's much deserved. He's He's a good player and he's got a chance at some point to get on the floor for us.
0: I can tell you this much, Coach, and, and we'll follow up on this point in a moment. You're not allowed to watch now. It's it's this mandatory period where coaches can't watch players if they choose to work out on their own. And he was in the gym meeting Williman. Uh He was hitting a lot of threes the other day. He was putting in the work right before the gym was built up. No. So those guys aren't, even though you're not watching, they're working.
1: They are. They are. I was, I was leaving yesterday late about 5 o'clock or so, 5.30, and the doors to the gym were open. I was just walking out the hallway to go out the front doors and Nick Johnson was at one end of the floor on the shooting gun. So they're working. That's, that's never been an issue with our guys. And
0: you weren't really looking you just saw them from the peripheral.
1: All right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And I hope, Michelle, of- I hope Michelle Bronner's not on the call. <laughs> on the,
0: yeah. Um, we, we're going to have more questions outside of this uh, roster, but I, I want to get back to the portal for a couple things because yes, it's a new way of life, but You had to, whether you did it kicking and screaming or really embraced it, you got into it clearly. Your staff got into it. How do you do it? Are there as many players trying to sell themselves to you as you're looking, or how did that all work? No, I mean, this is
1: what's happened is like you know, in years past before the the immediate eligibility rule got changed, say three or four years ago, and a lot of we got a lot of former players or former coaches on the zoom like back years ago, like you only knew if a kid was transferring or leaving another school, if like maybe his high school coach contacted you or, you know, somebody contacted you, you never knew who was leaving. And that's why the transfer numbers, I think in the past were so low. Like the one thing that we've been able to do at UNH up until this point is we've been able to retain our players. We haven't had huge, huge you know, transfer turnover numbers, but here it is Murph, what the portal is, is you go on your computer or you go on your iPad and it's kind of an NCAA, it's you want to go in the portal. You just got to let your compliance people know and you just push a button. They don't even have to let me know. And a couple guys didn't let me know. They just went in. Okay, so it's, um, you know, uh, so it, it just pops up. And every day, you got a list of kids throughout the country from the, every school in the country that's going into the portal. It's, it's 1,700 names, Murph. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. It, it really is. So that's what we did. We, any, you know, we obviously knew if any players were leaving other colleges that we had familiarity with, like Matt harasmi. Like I just really liked Matt Harazmi and what he's all about um, by coaching against him. And I said, you know what? He'd really fit us here at UNH. I think he's going to fit great. Um, then you obviously had to start. Well, okay. We need a point guard. Okay. We need a, a forward. We need a stretch foreman, we need a wing, you know, so that's how it goes. And I would say from the first week after the season ended, We just did a zoom yesterday with one of these front court players. I'm just going to just guess that myself and the staff, Chris Moore, Ryan, and Jordan, we probably have done about 60 to 70 zooms. We zoomed every player first just to kind of see them on his, his, and then the players that we had interest in and we decided we wanted to pursue, we had all of them in for official visits on campus. We were not going to sign anybody that did not make a visit to our campus.
0: Dare I ask how many times you had to stare at that screen and see how many names, I mean, you're able to take a break and go, go check your stocks or something, or you're constantly. <laughs> no, the no, window?
1: no, no, no. The basketball program is right now is more important to me than that. So yeah. That's our number. No, we just worked it. And you got to give the staff, you got to give these guys enormous credit. I mean, they did all the legwork, you know, they, they, they did a great job. And again, I I'm really, really excited. About getting to summer school in June, and I can't wait for the first day. I think it's June 27th, Monday. June 27th is our first day of summer school, and I'm hoping what we can do this summer. And I want to check this with compliance. I would love to have like a meet and greet where we can get our alums, you know, that are somewhat local, and get them that get them down to campus. And I want to see if you could. If, I hope we can work out for you so you get a chance to get a look at these guys on the court.
0: I definitely think A will be possible, B maybe, but we, yes, in the past when there's summertime and it's part of their, I don't want to put words in the mouth of compliance, but if the the kids are on campus doing team related activities, meet and greet can be one of those. And I know that's an exciting thought. And now here in May, one last question, does it slow down at all? Am I mistaken that after May 1st, nobody can go just jump into the portal now. If they do, they can't believe well, it's coming here.
1: Yeah, yeah. The 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 NCAA rule was that the cutoff date was May first. And if you went into the portal after May first, then you would ha- you'd have to sit out if you transferred. You would not have the, the immediate eligibility. You with me? But I'm telling you, Murph, I can't believe how many kids went into the portal after May 1st. Because you know what? Because you know what's happened with, with 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 sports, with college athletics, especially in basketball. It's, 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 it's the era of the waiver. Everybody can get a waiver for something. And that's supposedly what I like. We would say, well, how can this kid go in the portal after May 1? He's going to have to sit and you still have kids transferring and, and committing to other schools. Now, maybe they they're fine with sitting out or maybe they just, you know, people are saying, listen, we'll get your waiver. Don't worry. We'll get you eligible right away. I don't know.
0: All right. A couple things. You now have summer school, which is great because you don't want to have a nice summer doing nothing. You have camps coming back, meaning youth camps. Uh, th- there's things that we weren't able to even talk about doing these last couple of years. Right. How excited are you to have a busy summer with things going on?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's it's yeah, it, it's what we do. You know what I mean? It's, um, you know, yeah, we do have camp. Uh, the assistant coaches are hard working the camp and trying to get, you know, camp. It's, you know, it's, it's for major, mainly for younger kids. Um, yeah, it's going to be alive this summer, Murph. It's uh, all, all the athletic teams are bringing their camps back. So uh, it's going to be up and going um, in the summer for sure.
0: And something that just took place less than a few weeks ago, I'd love to ask, is uh, the golf tournament. You got people back together, alums and, and friends of the program. And uh, had we, be so nice to see people again. No, you know,
1: we haven't had the golf tournament in over two years. We've always had it in the fall in September, which has been great. We have it at the links, at the Outlook. They always have given us a Friday, which is a tough day to get for a golf tournament. Uh, and we would always do it the day before a home football game. So we kind of drew. We just flipped it a little bit. We just wanted to get everybody back together as soon as we could. And we we had it. Uh, it was cold. Now, I, I give a lot of, you know, I applaud everybody that showed up. We had 27, 28 foursomes. And I'll tell you, I think that the the the, the, the get together after when we ate and we we, you know, we, we had a little bit of a get-together was terrific. I think these guys were really, really happy and really appreciative that we had the turn. It was good
0: to see a lot, of, a lot of faces we haven't seen in a while. And you tipped your hand that you're hoping to do something this summer as well, which would be really great, and the weather will be nicer. Exactly. Yeah, we definitely will do something this summer. Another question that popped up in the chat is, what does the out-of-conference schedule look like for the upcoming season? Yeah, you know, it's – um.
1: Yeah, it, it's 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 a typical, I think, UNH schedule as far as, you know, you know, my philosophy with the non-conference is, you know, we want to try to play as many New England schools as we can for you know, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, you know, just just the rivalry of New England college basketball. You know, it's um, you know, it's it's local, it it cuts down on travel. Um, you have some kind of, you know you know, you go back when UNH was back in the old Yankee Conference days. I mean, it's, um, you know, there's so much tradition and so much history in college basketball up here in New England. We've got Holy Cross coming back uh, at home. Uh, We're gonna start a series with Sacred Heart. We haven't played them in a few years at home. We're playing fair, we're starting another series with Fairfield at home, and BU will be coming back this year. Uh, We go to Columbia. Uh, We go to Dartmouth, obviously, uh, after Christmas. And we've got we've got Brown back on the schedule. We'll go to Brown. Obviously, we have to play what's called money guarantee games to help supplement, you know, the budget, not, not just the basketball budget, the athletic budget. That number that we have to raise, the amount of money has kept has been raising, you know, and going up each year. So right now we, we've got to, to, to reach that number. We've got to play four money guarantee games Now this past year. You know, we went to Marquette and we were in a one possession game, second game of the year out in Milwaukee against a really good Marquette team. Uh, then we came back and about three, four days later, we went to Providence. And Providence, you know, ended up there with the Big East Champs this year. And we're down seven with about eight or nine minutes left down in, the, down in the Dunkin' Donuts Center, lost by 11. And then we went to Duquesne and we lost by two on a pretty controversial call, if you remember, late in the game. Uh, they called a a blocking foul and one on us when it should have been a charge. So we, we really played well against against the guarantee money games last year. So right now we've got four. We're going to go to Boston College, which I think makes a, obviously a lot of sense. Yes, it's right down the road in Boston. Uh, we've got to get to New York for number one for Nick Johnson um, and for A.J. Lopez. they are two New York City kids. We're going to go to St. John's and we're going to go to Fordham. Um, in the Atlantic 10. And then uh, we're going to go down uh, to play at George Washington, another Atlantic 10 team. Uh, I want to say maybe right around Thanksgiving, maybe right after Thanksgiving, possibly.
0: I think that answer excites a lot of people on this call. Drivable trips. You know, here's yeah. a lot of UNH fans.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, my, my one thing talking to you know, some of the people that help with scheduling, you know, Ken Dempsey still helps us. He has a hand in, helping us with scheduling. I just don't want to put these guys on flights and fly all over the country. I just don't want to do it. Get on a bus. We can get there, play, and um, and then just get back.
0: Another question, and don't say exactly where, because I see people on this Zoom that might follow you there. But What are you doing to relax this summer? Are you going anywhere nice? Going to a chance to spend some time with uh, the family and not think about basketball, at least for a couple days?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get down the Cape a little bit. Uh, with, with the wife and, um, you know, Ryan and his wife and, 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 and their baby, uh, the grandchild. Uh, my daughter will come up from North Carolina. Uh, we usually get out for about a week down at the Cape in the summer. So, but, you know, we got a lot of work to do right now, Murph. I think, you know, it's, it's you know how it is in, in this business. I mean, it consumes you, um, but, you know, I think with, with a new team, with a, with a totally new team and players you don't really know that well yet, I think we got to really, really be on our toes. And, and, and I think first things first, we just got to get this group together. We got to get them connected. We got to get the chemistry where we need it. I think that's going to be the number
0: one goal. So, till that
1: we get that done, then, then maybe a little bit of vacation.
0: Two days of the family. Yeah, it'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) A couple more America East questions have come up. First of all, what's your thoughts on Bryant joining the league? Yeah. You know, it's,
1: um, you know, conference realignment is a, a very very big topic uh, nowadays in you know in, especially in basketball. And I don't, you know, again I, I'm not I'm not I'm not an expert on this, but I think this has been talked about for so many years. I'm talking 20 25 years. I think we're seeing the time where I think eventually these Power Five conferences, basketball and football, are going to break away. I think. I just think there's too much money involved for them. I don't think they want to share it. Um, I think if and when that happens, uh, you know, it's going to change the whole landscape. I think of, of, of again of college basketball. Um, you know, obviously Stony Brook left to go to the CAA. Um, you know, Hartford is, I think, is still I think possibly dropping down to Division three. I think Bryant's a really good pickup. I think it's a New England school. Um, it's, uh, you know, geographically, it fits, uh, they're really talented. Now I'm not, not going to lie to you. We played them the last three, four years straight. I mean, Jared Grasso is a really good coach. They've got talent. You know, you check their roster, they're into the portal with probably four, five, six guys. And, um, but everybody is, you know, every, when you look at, you look, you look at the, 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 the three all conference teams in the America East this past year, first, second, third. I think we only have one player returning that was an underclassman out of 15 players. Two players were from Stony Brook, but they're leaving to go to the CAA. Hartford had two players. They're leaving to go uh, Division Three. So it's going to be, in a way, it's, you know, you look at like, like Vermont, you know, Vermont had such, you know, they've been on such a great run. They had a great year. Could have won that Arkansas game in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I'm hearing that Ryan Davis, you know, their big guy, the best you know, back-to-back player of the year in our conference. I'm hearing that he, he's not even taking the fifth year, that he's going to try to possibly start his professional career over in Europe and try to get that going. I mean, so I think this, there's going to be a lot of change in this league. I mean, two or three teams lost, you know, UMBC, ourselves in a way, uh, uh, you know, Maine uh, really lost their starting fives. Um so it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting year.
0: I'd love to leave the floor to you to send a parting message as we wrap up another edition of Arian holds court to to Wildcat Nation.
1: Yeah, you know it's I I know it's we we've been knocking on the door. I I, I just I I know the frustration in the last two years of losing in the first round of the conference tournament. Um, you know I think we're really you know our obligation. To the university, to you as fans, to alumni, is we knew we had to try to change, you know, recruit and change this quickly. Um, we really like the group we have coming in. Um, when we brought them on campus for official visits, not only as people, character, we worked everybody out. We put them through a, a typical individual skill workout that we would put any UNH player through, and, um, you know, really impressed with these guys. So the goals remain the same. Um, you know, hey, our ultimate goal is we want to win this league. We want to get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, but you know what? we got a lot of work to do, and, uh, but we're really excited. Really excited about the new blood. Um, kind of rejuvenates you a little bit.
0: Billy Harrion, a man who likely brings a whiteboard and dry erase markers to Hyannis, Chatham, and Mashpee to vacation with his family on the Cape, but a coach who's gearing up for a whole new era of Wildcat basketball starting next season. So thanks to Coach, and thanks to all of you for the prerequisite five-star rating and review. I hope you enjoy the holiday weekend and take the proper time to honor those who died defending the freedom of this great country and allowed us to not have to work on Monday. For now, my name is still Mike Murphy. I am your friend, and I say to you, Go Cats!
1: Thanks for listening to the UNH Wildcast the official podcast of the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. The UNH Wildcats is hosted and produced by Mike Murphy,
0: and our intro music is Ultraviolet by Turner. For more information on UNH athletics, visit unhwildcats.com.